Hi, welcome to Classic Comics Cavalcade. I'm Jason Sachs. I'll be joined soon by Amir Malikport, and we will discuss Mr. Miracle number five. As Amir says, with barter, you can't go wrong. Those words are definitely true. Our amazing Apocalyptin warrior is playing awesome in Mr. Miracle number five. Hope you enjoy us as we talk about barter carrying cannons one-handed, vermin wunderbars, Napoleon complex, the amazing cover to the original issue, Mike Royer's sterling inks, and much more. It all begins right after this ad. I love this comic book. I Mr. Like Miracle is the most fun book I've read in a long time. Oh, I mean, honestly, I enjoyed New Gods a little bit more, but I like it. I mean, I love Barda. I mean, that's the Barda. Big Barda is the saving grace for everything. But I did like it. I mean, it's a kid's comic, but I, I liked it. Yeah. Well, I love New Gods, but Mr. Miracle just has this uninhibited superheroic yeah yeah it's definitely a cool i I want to have my kids read this before new gods i want a canon for christmas too <laughs> will you buy me a canon for christmas i know right. it's a little late amir but you know i i think that would make my life completely fulfilled i love how excited scott is to get a canon <laughs> and how yeah. no one thinks it's strange the, as long as you don't strap yourself on it and have me blow you up and then you have to run away from it or uh, you have to get out of the entrapment. Jump out of the way. Just such a super fun issue. Mm -hmm. We start with your favorite, Big Barda. My favorite, too. I was going to say, I love the cover because it's got so much. Everything that has to do with murder. It's like a murder machine, right? It's got everything with murder. It's got like a knife, even though Scott Free is in like a metal entrapment. How's a knife going to kill him? It's got like a knife. <laughs> I love how there's a thing that's marked A-bomb. Yeah. Atom I'm assuming atomic bomb is like, okay, well, isn't that going to blow up your yourself too? Because you're pretty close by to where he's at. And then there's like <laughs> a blowtorch. And then, there, and then you put like a... Uh, a sign there saying like, "Hey, by the way, this is a flamethrower. All right, don't don't mistake it for anything else." I just love this. <laughs> it. It also like goes into like it's a diabolical car wash. Yes, that's exactly what it's like. It's like he's got his wheels on those grooves. He's just going through the car the car wash uh, battle. I, I'm just wondering, like, when was a car wash invented? I I bet you it was like. Uh, uh, a car wash was like a pretty new new technology back then where you just go through it without any human being washing your car. Well, I bet it was a big thing in Thousand Oaks, California when Kirby moved out there. Oh, yeah. Imagine this kid from Brooklyn who uh, never gets to drive and suddenly he's there in California. Car washes are exciting. Mm, yeah. I mean, I loved it when I was a kid. I always thought it was the coolest thing. Mm -hmm. I just looked it up, by the way, 1946, so it wasn't that long. Is that the automatic brushless car wash? <laughs> oh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, actually, it's funny because um, 
in the backup to this issue, the young Scott Free story, he goes through a gauntlet. It's a little like a car wash when he gets beaten, beaten up by his peers at the orphanage. Oh yeah, that one. That's a that's a good one too. I was going to talk about that one. That's that's like the hazing, right? Yeah. That's um, like a, a little bit like a car wash, right? He's just beaten to crap. But we can talk about that. Yeah. Later. Yeah, the first three pages with Barda are awesome. Definitely. So I have a confession, or I don't know if it's a confession, but I, I uh, started reading Mir Mr. Miracle nineteen. I got the issues, like mm -hmm. right after this series ends, and they have a depiction of Barda, which is not this at all. The first that issue. I mean, the writers and the artists and creators are great in that one. You know, they're no disrespect to them, but. Basically, Bardo in that story is like a damsel in distress, doesn't even put up a fight, doesn't do anything. Here, she's like a badass. Like, all these, like, at first, all these guys are like, you know, and I love the fact that, and also in the issues later on, in, you know, non Kirby issues, Bardo is actually smaller than Scott Free, shorter, smaller, kind of like traditional female. Whereas in here, First page spread, she is towering over like everybody, even a house. Like she is big. Yeah, she should be an Amazon. Yeah. She should be like seven foot. Yeah. And so like like Scott's like a little dweeb kind of is like, hey fellas, like uh what <laughs> are you here for business or watching my girl? And then like you know, all those like those jerk, like you know sexist guys and he's like they're like looking at her and stuff and like kind of gawking and like making like sexist remarks which by that by 1970 standards i bet you was kind of normal too but but with uh kirby she's like she's she he knows what he's doing because like she's like a badass and like and then they're supposed to like move the cannon down and she's like yeah move over and pushes all the guys over and she just carries it and it was one hand with one hand yeah and then like, she doesn't even look like she's working that hard yeah i think this is probably the funniest i've seen kirby right or he and then at the on page three he's all like uh scott he's like well uh thanks man uh don't forget <laughs> to exercise and then, like, what was like? Oh, I could exercise until I'm a muscle bound and never do that. So, like, and then one of the guys all like, oh, this women's lip thing is getting more serious than I thought. You know, it's like, you know, it's pretty cool. Like, it does show that Kirby was in tune with what's going on, and I really like the way the kind of respect that he brings to Barda. Mm -hmm. Like, women are not disrespected, and you know, obviously, like. Neither you and I identify, or we're not women, so like we don't really know. I'm, I'm sure a woman could be able to point out some other things that are more nuanced, but or even somebody who's from my standpoint knows more about feminism than I do. But like it's really cool that like Kirby is like on point here, and and it's really sad that you know five six years later they weren't able to continue this characterization. I don't even know if they did it until probably maybe recently. If that, I haven't reread those late seventies New Gods comics in a long time, so I don't remember. Yeah, I only read number nineteen, so I don't know how they. But that was very. It was a. It was really a dark contrast, or a contrast to this, the way uh, I would think, 
or Kirby characterizes Barda, which I loved. And they have been like basically lifelong friends, right? He talks later in the issue about how she basically saved him from the orphanage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. They're as they're really as close as any pair can be, because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. um, she helped him through everything, and so, like, there's just so much love between them. Yeah, you can feel it on every page when they're together. Mm-hmm. And the contrast in their styles, like we even see that at the end of the issue, when Scott basically frees her. Yeah. And and you kind of see a little bit of this reciprocity for the behaviors, you know? Because yeah. he's like nonchalantly uh, saves her in that wonderful sequence that I love so much. But we'll yeah. get to that in a minute too on page 20. Yeah. Yeah. And also, like, I think like she gets caught, but they have to cheat in order to catch her. Like, no one can, without like weapons, you can't really defeat her. Like physical brute force, she's like stronger than anybody. But yeah, I, like when you look at a page like page ten, you can imagine Orion or Thor being the one who's in that battle. Yeah, right. There's no difference between the genders there at all. When she hits, when she hits them, pow! On page eleven, like that literally could be any action hero, non-gendered. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, and and I think that's. It's got to have been really progressive for the. It was really progressive for the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it it fits this character so well. Yeah, I mean, what's funny about it is even independent comics were sexist back then. Right. Except maybe if like there's some female creators doing it, but like, it's crazy how like this is probably from a mainstream span. This is probably the most progressive comic. Yeah, Trina Robbins talks about that a lot in her autobiography, how sexist the undergrounds were and how she and the other people, the other women who worked in undergrounds, Sherry Flanken and others, were basically kind of pushed to the side. They were the ones who cooked and hung out and had sex with them, but um, they weren't seen as equals. And so it's still like that, that whole side was a very kind of male-dominated, misogynistic, I want to say misogynistic, but very kind of traditionally dominated approaches to sexuality and gender. So it's really interesting to see Kirby of all people, right? Who was in his fifties at this point. Yeah. Was such a strong female Mm -hmm. character. Yeah. And everything about her is just so like realized, so fully thought through about who she is and how she fights. Mm -hmm. And I know we were talking last time about her in her red bikini, but again, like, when she carries that cannon, she looks so much like the women I see at CrossFit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, makes sense. She's just dressed appropriately. She's just dressed in a way that's comfortable for her. And, I, I, you know, another thing I thought you were going to bring up was the Royer's inking. I like her better. Uh, I like Royer inking her better because it is more of that, like, ethnic, stronger character. Whereas in, I mean, I, I like, Coletta's thinking too, which is like more, well, I don't know, more like romance type of like traditional female look. Whereas in with Royer, it's like he's capturing the way Kirby would have her drawn, like more with more like distinct, like bigger features, like page uh, nine, if you look at. She's so solid. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Royer inks her with the this real thick line. Mm-hmm. Where she, there's nothing really, there's nothing delicate about her, mm-hmm. but you can see yeah. the softness at the same time. Mm-hmm. Like the look on her face on page nine, panel two, is this very, very kind of alluring. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What um, do you think I, of Ruben Wunderbar? Uh, yeah, I really don't have much to say about those. You know, I looked up Wonderbar. I think it's a play on the words of wonderful German for wonderful, Miss Dr. Wonderful. Right. Um, I was fine like that, you know, testing, trying to um, uh, destroy uh, Scott Free. I think I had more comments around what I realized on if like the next page when you go see Scott trying to put that contraption, that cannon together. Yeah. And um, what was interesting, I, I don't know, did you have anything about Wonderbar? If you want, do you want to, I don't want Let's to talk jump. about the canon and then come back and talk about Vermin Wonderbar. The canon one, the part where he says, you know, there's him and Oberon were talking about the orphanage. And, you know, he does mention that, like, you know, it was Barda who helped me escape. And I suppose that's what I've been doing ever since. What's, what was interesting to me, <laughs> just from a psychological standpoint, is like, He's really like this is more of like a like a S and M bondage thing for him, where like he was like I don't know this is I'm reading too much into it, but but like it feels like he's always trying to escape and he's always locking himself up, putting himself into like these bound like he wants to always bind himself so he can run away from it, and that's what he's doing. And that's how he was in in Apocalypse, and then. The other thing that kind of, I just kind of saw a video about Dicko, how he used to do like some S&M comics because his art studio. <laughs> and I saw like, is Kirby channeling that a little bit with like, you know, because this is so weird, like locking himself up and binding himself and then showing it just kind of like, it's fi- all that is filtered through Kirby's mind and then like cleaned up for a kid's comic book. That's interesting. I think Scott is really trying to avoid kind of, he is trying to escape himself in some ways, right? He is trying to... This is a comfortable thing for him to be chained up. Yeah. I, and to I, have something to escape. Yeah. I mean, yeah. he escaped Apocalypse, too. He escaped the murder pits. Yeah. Although he's not escaping his relationship with Oberon. He's not escaping his relationship with Barda. I mean, this this thing that... The, I mean, it's super dangerous what he's trying to do. And it's like he's just putting himself in danger, like, constantly. Yeah, and it's like the question of what kind of person would do, do that to himself. Yeah, yeah. And yeah why? Not, Psychologically. Yeah, and it's not even the same kind that the original Mr. Miracle did. It's like more dangerous and like, yeah. What kind of crazy man would tie himself to a cannonball? Like, this is literally insane, right? Yeah. I thought you were going to talk a little bit about the naming. I'm sure you read Dickens' Oliver Twist. The kids in that situation had such names as Artful Dodger, Oliver himself, which is a really nice way of saying, I'm called Scott Free because it's meant to be a goofy name. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's true. Yeah, I didn't. I noticed that too, but I didn't really go into it, to it too much. Because when he first said, like, goofy name, I would think that, like, Oberon said it's a goofy name. I would think that Mr. Miracle is more goofy than Scott Free, but yeah. But yeah, but Mr. Miracle is like a stage name. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. 
So I do want to talk about Vermin Wunderbar. Mm-hmm. First of all, he's like five foot nothing. Mm-hmm. Right, he's a little Napoleon. I think Kirby wants to draw him as a little Napoleon. Yeah, Peru dressed up in his military gear and everything mm-hmm. with the monocle. He's such a weird looking character. And I think he's so captivating in, in this crazy way. Well, and yeah, sorry, go ahead. He looks like this overgrown child who's constantly at play. Like he Kirby does this beautiful job of drawing him really formal looking, right? He's always standing at ease or he's playing with his monocle. Who yeah. wears a monocle? And that look on his face on page six is just like so so interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's so much in that face. He also he's also got the world's worst unibrow on that page. Mm-hmm. Although I think it's just his wrinkles on his forehead. Mm. But I just think he's so well designed and so weird. He's just mm. a weird looking guy. I think it's really uh, I think you hit it right on the head. It is Napoleon because um, I think there's a part in here where he's either Scott says or somebody says that he's based on Perugian soldiers or something or Perugian leaders or generals. And I think it might be Napoleon. I mean, he's definitely an allusion to Napoleon. Yeah. And it's fun how Kirby just extends this universe more and more. Mm-hmm. He's just another apocalyptic guy. He's another guy who was in the orphanage. So he and Scott have been rivals for years. Mm-hmm. And it's just another proof of how crazy uh, Darkseid makes everyone who had to work, had to serve in, serve in the orphanage. How Granny Goodness just screws up everybody's minds. And I feel so bad for the poor henchman who gets doesn't really get blown up. He just gets smashed there on page six. It lets him to die. Um, lets him to die. Who cares? Just a quick thing. Just a, one thing about Barda too is um, I wanted to mention. I know that's the next page. We already talked about it, but. When she's in the water, like, like dipping herself in the water, she talks about how, like, she loves Earth and mm-hmm. she doesn't want to go back. To me, I got a really interesting, like, immigrant feeling of that. It was like, you know, I hope that people of Earth appreciate these places they have, you know. And I think that gratitude of, like, you know, like, when you first come to a, a better situation, better country and whatnot, like, you're like, wow, like, do these people know how good they have it, you know? And so, like, that gratitude. And, and then also, like, I have to keep fighting so I don't go back. He's, first, she says, you know, they're going to try to fight to take me back. And then it's all like, correction, I'll have to fight not to go back, you know? Does that, does that resonate with you, Amir? Um, I think to a certain extent, you know? I mean, I don't know what... I think when I look at Kirby, Kirby's family were immigrants, and I think of, you know, I, I think obviously like it's not the same thing, but I do feel like folks who came from war-torn areas or countries, I mean, I identify a little bit with that, although not to the same extent as perhaps Kirby's family would, but it's just kind of coming from a really horrific war area. To like something where it's like peaceful and beautiful and like there's opportunities and things like that. And I think in the back of his mind, that's the thinking, right? It's like, wow, like it's so nice. I think Apocalypse, you know, being in World War II, I mean, I'm sure his family, I don't think he was in it, right? But maybe some of his he family. Fought in the war. 
Oh, yeah, that's right. He fought in the war. Right, right. Uh, but, yeah. But, yeah. That's apocalypse, right? I don't want to ever go back. I have to keep fighting not to go to war. Yeah. Yeah. Literally. In war. Yeah. Isn't that interesting, too? I have to keep fighting to avoid war. Mm-hmm. Because they are constantly fighting, right? She can never escape the fighting, but she has to fight in order to avoid having to fight more. Yeah. And she's a warrior, but she doesn't, it doesn't seem like she likes, I mean, she loves it, you know. It's, I mean, she's not a warrior because she likes war. And we actually kind of see that in the, I don't know if it's jumping to the end, but yeah, when Scott frees her, She's all like, forgive me, I was afraid for us. I, a warrior. And then he's all like, you're better than that, Barda. You're a woman. Yeah, she's admitting her humanity to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, this is a, it's a good issue. I mean, w- with Barda, you can't go wrong. The death trap is so fun, too. It really does fit the cover, although the cover was even more ridiculous. Cover is pretty cool. I didn't. I didn't see the axe and the knife and the blowtorch. <laughs> the axe, the knife, and the blowtorch. I just love that. It reminds me of Pulp Fiction, where like you know, where Marcella Wallace like gets mad at the guy that you know did the dungeon thing. He's like, "I'm gonna get some blowtorches on your ass." It's like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that murder machine's just so wacky and and ridiculous. I like the the bug face mask the henchman is wearing too. He, Kirby keeps coming back to the bugs as being these little insect creatures or whatever this symbol of of inferiority okay. in this world. Mm-hmm. And I got to say, the surprise of Scott escaping and appearing behind the the villains on page twenty is like mm-hmm. one of the cutest moments in all of Kirby. Yeah, it's funny. Yeah. It's like a kid, you could tell like a kid can watch this and not be worried, you know? Yeah. The the look of the huge smile on Scott's face when he's like, yeah, they're talking about me being dead, but guess what? I'm right here. Mm. Yeah. Don't forget to give her my rewards, Wunderbar. No, no, no. I just think it's so fun. If you saw that on the cartoon or something, you would be giggling your little head off. Mm-hmm. I mean, one thing I do love these old school stories for kids where it's a one shot and while you know the hero is in danger in the middle and this is good for kids you know like in the middle of the, or like maybe towards the middle of the story you find out they're not gonna die you know and and you get the total story and it's done and there might be a cliffhanger but it's not about whether the person is like annihilated or dead that you have to be depressed for a whole month well, then this Young Scott Free story. So this front story was really fun. The Young Scott Free story is really freaking dark. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Life of the Apocalypse sucks. Yeah. Poor Scott. I think this, I think we're back to Coletta Inks, which means this is a slightly earlier story. Mm. But everything in this four-pager Young Scott Free story is just torturous. Mm-hmm. I feel terrible for the kid. Yeah, and it's funny, like, how, like, he really likes Granny Goodness, because there's a part where, like, she rips away the sound, and she's like, oh, no, don't take away her chant or whatever, like, on her chest, the recording. Yeah, don't take my recorder. I love your voice. It gives me comfort. Mm -hmm. But that's the ultimate sign of someone who's been abused, right, is that 
they beg to keep being abused because it's the only thing they know or they've become so used to it. Or or even like, you know, no attention is worse than, feels worse than negative attention, you know? Mm -hmm. So they'd rather get abused than be ignored. That gaunt, I think this is the first view we get. We must have had another view of Apocalypse before page three of this story. But even that little snippet we see is pretty terrifying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and his beat up and stuff. Yeah, the, the way Scott looks beat up on page four, panel three, that's freaking brutal. Mm-hmm. We've only seen Orion beaten up like that. Mm-hmm. But Scott is no Orion. I think we can see that right away. And then there's Metron meddling. Gives young Scott a little bit of hope. Mm-hmm. Supreme meddler. <laughs> <laughs> so these are a great pair of stories yeah i'm looking forward to the next one i took a peek and uh we're gonna see stan lee in there <laughs> oh my god the the controversial funky flashman stories and house roy yeah yeah these are gonna be really fun oh, to read roy, roy um all right cool wow house roy that's, that's plus cool. big barda in the bath oh well that's that's something to have to wait for. <laughs> Thanks, Amir. Thank you. Oh, thank you.